You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 549 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live here on this fine Thursday evening into Friday morning. A new episode of the podcast. Not too much going on in Hawksland. The team is not in action again until Saturday with a back-to-back against Boston and Orlando. But in the meantime, I wanted to come back with, with a good old-fashioned episode here with a couple of different topics. Nothing incredibly um, newsworthy, but it's just a lot of uh, analysis stuff, some mailbag questions, and we'll get through this one together. So hopefully this will hold you over through the weekend and uh, everything that's going on there. So first things first here, I, I actually tweeted a couple of these things on Thursday afternoon, but I wanted to pass along some information. Uh, you know, Lloyd Pierce, I talked about this a little bit last night on the podcast. If you missed this one, please go back and listen to it on Wednesday evening. But Lloyd Pierce was pretty positive about his offense and with good reason um, the team's definitely been playing better offensively a lot of that comes from the fact that they're not turning the ball over recently but uh, a couple of numbers to that end the Hawks are actually number three in offense in the entire NBA since the All-Star break. It's only 11 games, which is definitely important to keep in mind here. It's a pretty small sample size, but they're scoring 114.3 points per 100 possessions. That is very, very, very good offensively, which was, uh, of course, that was uh, that was definitely helped by Wednesday night's performance against, against Memphis because that was uh, one of the best offensive nights of the season for Atlanta. Still, they are now 10th in net rating, actually, with a plus 2.0 net rating despite their 5-6 and six record after the All-Star break. So, again, Again, pretty small sample there, but the offense has been really, really good in general. It's been a longer time as the Hawks were definitely playing better offensively. After opening 6-23 and this season, they are now 18-22 and since then. So winning 18 out of 40 games is pretty darn impressive for this Hawks team, honestly, given where they are in their life cycle. And the Hawks are 14th in offense in the NBA over that 40-game period. And 22nd, which is not terribly great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, number 22 overall in net rating during that 40-game stretch. Uh, the defense is still bad, has been bad pretty much the entire time. But still, it's worth uh, being positive about the offense. We kind of knew that. Um, it's one of those things where it's kind of anecdotal in the way that you can watch a game and sort of see how well the Hawks are playing on offense at different times. But in the same breath, it's good to see them actually doing it more efficiently. Um, in fact, shouts to Bob Rathbun. Uh, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Hawks on the TV side, he tweeted this out actually on Thursday. But the Hawks' turnover rate by month here, uh, uh, in October, November, December, and January, they were at 18% or higher. That's really, really, really bad, like all-time bad. Um, ac- since then, though, February and March, they've been under 16% in February and 13, uh, 13.3% in March. That is very, very good. Of course, it's, a sm- it's another small sample size here, but that, that goes to what Lloyd Pierce was saying on Wednesday about the uh, turnovers kind of being the only – thing that's keeping the Hawks from being a great offense and that's pretty much true they're really good at a lot of things obviously having especially when they when they play their best lineups the Trey Young John Collins Kevin Herter lineups those three guys on the court together the offense has been really really good this season when, when those guys play but the turnovers are something that the Hawks have to fix but they have been getting better at that and I want to sort of lead off lead off this podcast in some positive way there with talking about their uptick offensively um, elsewhere ESPN released their future power rankings this week that I want to touch on a little bit on this podcast. 
The Hawks went for number 28 in the rankings back in September before the season. Um, I got a lot of feedback at that point from Hawks fans that were not very pleased um, with the Hawks being a bottom three team in ESPN's future power rankings. Well, a lot of things have changed since then. They went from number 28 in September to number 16 now in March. That is one of the biggest jumps, if not the biggest jump, in the entire NBA Based on uh, what, based on that very very small, I guess, uh, sample of time, less than a full season to go 12 spots in this kind of ranking is pretty darn impressive. It's important to note that this um, this is basically just based on a formula. It's not completely subjective in that way. You know, Kevin Pelton and Bobby Marks put, put this thing together for ESPN, but it's definitely formulaic. There are five different categories. For instance, the Hawks are number one in the entire league in future draft capital. No big surprise there. They had the extra first-round pick this year um, from Dallas if, if it conveys, and they have their own pick. And they have the, they still have one coming from Dallas. I mean, from Cleveland, I should say, and then a couple of second-round picks in the future. They're very well set up with, from the draft standpoint, and that's kind of uh, an easy explanation. They're number three overall in the league in the in the quote money end quote category. That is described as this. It is projected salary cap situation, ability, and will- willingness to, to exceed the salary cap and pay the luxury tax. Um, so we don't know about the luxury tax stuff just yet, but um, basically this comes down to the fact that the Hawks have a very clean cap sheet. They have one really bad contract in Miles Plumley, but it's only one more year after this one at $12.5 million. Kent Bazemore is a player option for next year. That's not great either, but it's not like this. They have no, they have none of these crazy bad contracts. I know Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue did a bad contracts podcast podcast this week, and they did reference um, Bazemore and Plumlee especially, but they were nowhere near the worst in the league um, because of the fact that they're, they're just not that, they're not, they're not, they're not that long, basically, is kind of the best way to put that. The Hawks have no bad money going into the future. It's basically all rookie-scale rookie contracts, and that is uh, really not really nice to see when you, when you talk about flexibility and a future-facing ranking such as this one. The biggest part of ESPN's formula, though, almost 60% of their formula, actually, is the players part of the formula, which is basically described as the current roster and, which is very important here, their potential for the future, end quote. The Hawks are now number 19 in that metric, which doesn't doesn't sound terribly impressive until you realize that they were number 30 before the season started. So ESPN um, and their systems and a lot of people, basically almost everyone, I would say, uh, had the Hawks at number 30. In their, in their power rankings for this season, and a lot of that was come because, was because of the roster. I was on record as saying that that, that was a little bit underrating Atlanta in the offseason, and I was I was right about that one. Probably not. Um, I probably didn't see all this coming, frankly. Um, even then, I think I was pretty high on the Hawks, and they've been a little bit better than even I thought they were going to be. So, shouts to them for that. But the Hawks are now number 19 overall, which is a big step forward. Um, you know the Clippers, and by the way, I, I could probably I could probably argue that if you if you take future into account, the Hawks are probably in a better situation than even that. I think I'd probably argue that they should be even higher on this list. For instance, they're behind the Clippers, Pacers, and Wolves at number 16. They're behind the Spurs and the Nets. I think I could probably argue the Hawks ahead of all those teams in terms of just current roster construction for the future. Um, Obviously, those teams are better than the Hawks are right now, especially the Clippers and the Pacers um, and the Spurs. But, you know, for the future, yeah, you probably probably give me the Hawks, honestly. So just keep that in mind. Uh, last thing here on this particular power rankings list from the uh, from the good folks at ESPN, the Hawks are number 19 in management and number 19 in market. Management is the quality, stability, and front office and ownership and coaching. Um, so that's pretty interesting there. I'm not I've always been overly optimistic about wrestler. I will say that, but um, in the recent days, he's been a little bit better. He definitely has a lot of money, which always helps, and he seems pretty willing to spend it. That's probably a good thing. We don't really know just yet about wrestler. I think there's been some reporting. 
um, not by me, but reporting that's been out there, especially early on in this tenure, that he might have been a little bit more involved than I would like an owner to be on the basketball side, but it's his team, so I understand that all the way through. Um, Coaching-wise, the early returns of Lloyd Pierce are obviously quite good. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I liked that hire when it happened, but now knowing him a little bit more and seeing him up close, I am a big fan of Lloyd Pierce. So uh, obviously that's a pretty good and positive thing. And then it's been a it's going it's going to be a big 18 months or so for Travis Schlenk and company. Um, with this with this summer being a pretty big one, and then the following summer being another big one for Atlanta. But to this point, I think he's done a pretty darn good job with the teardown and of course drafting um, John Collins, Kevin Herter, and Troy Young is a pretty good start for his drafting career as the top guy in the front office. A very, very nice start there for Travis Schlenk. So I think, if anything, number 19 in management probably undersells the Hawks to this point. I don't want to get too carried away because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Lloyd Pierce in the future. Um, obviously, he's only been one season, and he's not been coaching in the playoffs, all that fun stuff, wrestler, and Schlenk too. But I'm pretty optimistic about that group as a trio. As for the market size, it's described this way. It's, it's And I'm quoting here, the appeal to future acquisitions based on team quality, Franchise rep- reputation, city's desirability as a destination, market size, taxes, business and uh, entertainment opportunities, arena quality, and fans. Uh, I, I, I always I, this is this is me this is me talking now, but I would always argue on behalf of Atlanta being a little bit underrated, frankly, in terms of national market size. It's a very big city. Um, I always say this um, back to when I first started the podcast, but. Atlanta is consistently a top 10 market in terms of TV ratings for NBA broadcasts. It's not necessarily a Hawks market just yet. I've said that a couple times on the podcast as well. But if you throw that all in and the relatively small size of the fan base right now, I understand part of the skepticism there. I do think that there's um, some ripe, um, some from ripeness to when, when it comes to growing the fan base, making it a little bit bigger. If they get good in the near future with young and exciting stars, I understand that obviously they won 60 games just a few years ago. Um, that was a fun team and I had a ton of fun covering them. At the same time, I think it is a star-driven market to some degree and um, that team did not have stars on it. They had really, really good players. I, I think that Al Horford and Paul Millsap played at, a, played, at a, played at a star level at times. They were all star-level players Players, but they were not the personalities. They were not the flashy guys that Trey Young is and that John Collins is. Um, so it's worth noting that I think this team probably has the makeup that would be better suited to selling tickets, etc. Um, and also, if they get somebody else uh, along the way, whether it be you know the best case scenario being Zion Williamson or something else like that, they have a nice strong young core that's uh, easy to build with here. So it would be easier for them to kind of blow up in the market than the previous team was, even with the caveat that they were definitely selling out the building the entire time during that uh, stretch run for the 61 season but all that to say the Hawks are treated pretty well in this ranking it's a big jump obviously if you just told me that they were number number 16 overall it probably isn't too much to be getting carried away about but when you factor in the 12 spot jump a lot of positivity out of the folks at ESPN about the Hawks in this particular spot um, so, quickly before we get to the rest of the podcast, I want to tell you to, to subscribe to this podcast. It is huge if, you, if you've already done that, so thank you so much for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, though, please go ahead and do that now, um, right now. You can even stop the podcast right now, just, just for a moment. Go in, click this click this, this subscribe button, go on, on, your, on, your, on your podcast platform of choice. If you don't have a preference, find one and try try them all out, and while you're, while you're trying them all out, subscribe to all of them. It's always fun. So, thank you, thank you for doing that, and we'll be back again in just one second talk about the rest of the stuff on this particular podcast. All right, we're back to talk about the rest of the topics and a couple of mailbag questions that I wanted to hit on on the podcast. The first one comes from Eduardo, who asks, it feels like you answer this all the time, but I'm asking anyway, can we get an update on the Mavericks and how worried Hawks fans should be about that draft pick and all the stuff going on with Dallas? So um, definitely a weird spot in a lot of ways for the Mavericks because they are not playing well 
any way, shape, or form. I will say, just as a spoiler spoiler alert here, I am recording in the middle of the Dallas-Denver game right now, so I do not have the final score of that contest. And in fact, they're actually winning in the second half. I'm not sure that they're, they're going to hold on, so you guys will probably know more than I do as I'm recording here. But... Um, Projection-wise, uh, it's pretty easy to see why this is a topic because they've been really, really bad for a while now. Um, the Most of the projection systems have the Hawks finishing like 27-55, maybe 28-54. It's easy to see why that might be pessimistic because the Hawks have been playing pretty well recently, but the schedule is really brutal for Atlanta down the stretch. I'm going re- to read it off here really, really quickly. At Boston, at Orlando, home for Houston, home for Utah, home for Philly, at New Orleans, home for Portland, home for Milwaukee, at San Antonio, home for Philly, at Orlando, at Milwaukee, home for Indiana. So, on paper, the Hawks will not be favored again this season. Uh, there's a chance that that you know down the stretch of the year you get somebody that's resting guys or some weirdness. Obviously, New Orleans is not playing great, for instance, right now, but that, that's a road game. On paper, though, right this second, the Hawks are not supposed to win any of those games. Obviously, they will win at some point along the way. Uh, you know, they're only slight underdogs in a few different spots there, but. Again, on paper, no no favorite spots for the Hawks down the stretch of the season. So I can sort of see why a, a system um, designed to project victories would say 3-10 and 10 in those 13 games. I, I can definitely see that. Um, on the flip side, the Mavs are 20, they have 27 wins right now. They might have 28 by the time you listen to this, but 27 or 28 wins. But they've been terrible for a long, long time. Before Thursday night, they had lost 12 of 13 games. They are really sort of in, I, I, I won't say full tank mode, but certainly close to it. They're not very good at the moment. That's kind of the undersell of the future of the uh, century. They've been terrible for a while. You know, they have Luka, I understand that, but the rest of the roster is not great in any way, shape, or form, and they're not necessarily trying to push to get wins right now, given that the opportunity that, that they have here. I would still project Dallas to finish sixth in terms of the lottery odds as we enter as we enter lottery night, and the Hawks finish fifth with a gun to my head. Um, you know, if that happens, then Dallas will have a 37, 37.2% chance to keep their pick. Um, if there is a team that Dallas can um, not pass or, I guess, you know, compete with for that, for that sixth spot, it's probably Memphis. Um, but Memphis has been playing better with Wednesday off the table because they were awful on Wednesday. But still, I think I, I would pick Dallas to go sixth, Hawks to finish fifth. There's upside for the Hawks. If the Dallas Mavericks finished sixth in the draft lottery, they have about a 50% chance of, keep, of uh, that pick staying in the seven or eight range, which is there's some value in that. I guess it could flip if Dallas went to number five and the Hawks went to number six. The Hawks would still have a better than half and half chance, about a 58% chance or so to get the Dallas pick. Even if Dallas picks number uh, enters the draft lottery night, I should say at number five overall. So I wouldn't panic too, too much. That's kind of the big, my baseline here. You know, I'm not a pure fan and I'm going to ask a couple of fans in the future to try to give my, give uh, some insight on the podcast actually about kind of how they're feeling about this. But, you know, analytically in my mind, I understand the risk in terms of losing the pick um, for this year, but the pick still comes next year. That's something to keep in mind. It's still top, top, top five protected next year, but the pick will still be coming. I think it will be a little bit worse because Dallas is going to be improved next year, but how much they are improved is definitely up for debate. And frankly, I think some of the fans that I've been hearing from on Twitter are overstating it. I would not be picking Dallas to make the playoffs next year. Could they make the playoffs? Absolutely. If if uh, if Chris House is back in full strength and they sign somebody in free agency, etc., they could be a playoff team. But I would not project that. So I think a little bit too much panic that I've seen in recent days as to Dallas um, potentially crashing the top four party. And they'll have to get lucky to do it. So I totally understand all of that. 
you know, there's some risk tolerance stuff. I think if you're a, if you're a Hawks fan, ideally you would like the Mavs to be picking sixth or seventh, so you get that pick in the top. But in order to get them to sixth, even, um, you know, the Hawks they have to be entering the draft lottery night at sixth or better. Um, so there is some risk mitigation and all that fun stuff. But we will we'll be keeping you updated throughout the time on percentages uh, pre lottery. Once the season's over, we'll even go even a little bit deeper on that with some real scenarios, all that fun stuff. But until then, we just kind of have to go. Day by day, and again, you know, Dallas has not been playing well. Maybe they won this game on Thursday night, and you'll you'll know it before I do. But one of those things, and uh, you know, for now, you know, worry at your own leisure. I understand Hawks fans worrying about it, but I I can't see Dallas going any further than f- than number five. You know, that's it's kind of impossible at this point in time. Even if, they, even, even if they were to lose every single game, I can't imagine them getting um into the top four for pre lottery night. And if, as long as they avoid that, the Hawks have a better chance to get the pick than Dallas does regardless. So just stay tuned and we'll keep updating that as things change. Last but not least on the podcast, a question that came through from Andrew Marsh that was a fun one that I wanted to end on here. And he says, it's more of a philosophical question, but would you rather build your team with a lot of offensive talent and then supplement that defensive talent with them with role players? Or would you rather do it vice versa and starting the team with with defensive talent and then filling that in with offensive talent? Um, first and foremost, I know I value defense more than most as it's been a theme on this podcast for a long time. And that kind of gets me in some interesting positions every once in a while with Hawks or even other stuff. It also applies to my national NBA writing. It's not only my Hawks, um, coverage. Um, I always value defense more than the, than the consensus. So that gets me in trouble with guys who are bad defenders more than more, more than more often. It's not only Hawks guys. It's the guys who I think nationally get overrated that are just offense only guys. It's always been that way. So just keep that in mind as I'm answering this question, um, for instance, I think I do think teams need high-end defensive talent on the roster in order to compete at the absolute highest level and can cha- and actually challenge for a title right now. Particularly in having flexibility with, with lineups and that are able to defend while playing small and don't have liabilities. And I think you can probably get away with one liability, but not really two in the playoffs. If you've been watching the playoffs the last couple of years, at the end of the playoffs, the last three series, the, the conference finals and the finals, you will see that guys just can't stay on the floor if they can't defend for the most part you have to be an absolutely elite offensive player to be able to stay on the floor if you can't defend at that kind of level and uh if you're building a team that's what you're trying to do so all that said uh you know obviously i'm high on defense and i know fans don't necessarily care about that but i definitely do um still the answer here is that you want to build a team with offensive talent offense is still more important than defense i'll say it one more time offense is still more important than defense and this is coming from someone who really values defense at a very, very high level. You still need offense more. Offense is more important. There's no question about that. I think you want players that can be effective on both ends, clearly. I do think there are roster building concerns, though, when you get past when you get past having one real defensive liability. Um, if you get into multiple, you're in some serious trouble down the stretch of a playoff series. Uh, that's kind of untenable at different times, but in the same breath, you have to have offensive talent in order to win at the highest level. And it's easier, in my opinion, to get questionable defenders to the point where they're actually average and capable of holding up than it is to do the same thing in reverse and try to turn bad offensive players into average threats offensively. Um, you know, it's all relative. There are always degrees of this thing. But in general, in a vacuum, you want offensive talent because you absolutely have to have it in order to create down the stretch of games. And uh, for instance, you know, through a Hawks lens, I know I've been critical of the team, not necessarily critical, but just, you know, questioning of the Hawks roster building right now, because they have all of these guys, all of their best young players are offense first or offense only at this point to varying degrees. And at some point, 
that, that isn't a problem now, but it will be if it's still this case in two or three years. So it's not a problem yet. You know, I, I do think that there are problems in construction. If your best two players are offensive li- are defensive liabilities, and that's the case for the Hawks right now with Collins and Young, that will be a problem. But obviously Collins has a path to be better than that. I think Young probably doesn't, but at the same time, you can get away with one guy as long as he's elite offensively, and I think Young's on that path. So no problems just yet, but along the way to answer the question, you need offensive talent first. That's more important. So give me the offense. We'll figure out the defense later, but you do have to figure out the defense. That's the most important thing. You can't just ignore the defense all the time. You have to get, at some point, you have to get some talent on the, on the end of the floor, and uh, that's important to keep in mind for the next couple of years if you are uh, following this Hawks team. Okay, that'll do it for today's podcast, and that's probably a lot of information to throw at you in one particular pod, but I want to get this up there for a Friday morning commute. Um, some schedule stuff here. We were, we're going to have a new show on Sunday night, Not probably not until then, unless there's an absolute all-timer between Atlanta and Boston on Saturday. The Celtics game is a 12.30 tip-off on Saturday. It's kind of a weird spot in a lot of ways. The Hawks, by the way, are 0-3 against Boston this year, so they'll be looking to avoid a season sweep. And if you remember, there were some fireworks last time they played in January with Marcus Smart getting ejected and down to memory and a lot of interesting stuff going on there. So that'll be the fourth game between those two teams on Saturday afternoon and then a Sunday night game against Orlando. So barring craziness on Saturday, I'm going to come back and combine the two games and talk about that for the Monday morning podcast that I'll record Sunday night. And then after that, we'll have some pre-NCAA tournament content next week with regard to the upcoming NBA draft. So you'll have plenty on that and uh, that's sort of a plug for now. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Do all of that. I really, really appreciate it, and we'll see everybody on Monday.